Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout. Here on WLUW 88.7 FM, I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It's great to be back with you here for another week, and boy, do we have a lot to get to on this Halloween. Everybody stay safe tonight if you're going out trick-or-treating, or if you're just celebrating Halloween, be safe tonight. We got the Bears coming up at noon. That game is going to be on Fox. Bears taking on the 49ers. Bears are four-point underdogs, and they're without their head coach. We can talk a little bit about that, who's filling in for Matt Nagy today. Also, the Bulls are still rolling, beat the Utah Jazz last night, but it's not all good for Billy Donovan's group. Patrick Williams is out for the year. We're going to talk about some solutions for that and maybe seeing who, going forward, can be the guy down low for rim protection and defense and also Patrick Williams' development because there's a lot to talk about there. Tony LaRusse is coming back to the White Sox next, next year. Not that that's a big surprise necessarily, but still it's a thing. He's coming back. It's official now. He told the Chicago Tribune he's coming back. The players seem excited about it. We'll talk about that as well. Also, we had a great slate of college football games yesterday, including a really, really good game in Michigan. I think it was the game of the year. I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you why the Heisman Trophy winner is playing in East Lansing right now. And I know that's going to be music to one listener's ears. Going to be talking about all of that. If you want to chime in on the conversation, as always, Shoot me a tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven or slide into my DMs. I wish I could take calls, but I can't. But either way, we're here talking sports. Go ahead and chime in. I'll read any and all tweets and DMs I get on the air. But we need to start with this. And let me just say, it's going to be the only thing I say on this, on the air. You know, I've thought about this all week. How am I going to talk about this? And it's been the biggest story in town all week. And I've been gearing up for this show and I've been thinking through, okay, what am I going to say? How do I want to say this? You know, I'm a young sports talk host, not really sure how to go about this. So I'm going to say this one time. It's going to be the only time I address it and probably not talking about it anymore on the show for a while. This week, the report came out from the investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks regarding a sexual abuse case regarding Brad Aldrich, former video coach. And it was not good at all. I'd suggest you read it. 
And basically, heads are rolling right now. Stan Bowman resigned, was fired, whatever. It depends on who you ask. Joel Quinville resigned as coach of the Panthers. Al McIsaac's gone. There, anyone who was in that meeting in 2010 is gone. And, you know, it's just... To say it's not a good situation for the Blackhawks is an understatement. You know, I've been stewing on this since that report came out. I can only imagine how it's been for Kyle Beach, who revealed himself as John Doe this week. And I'm just at a loss for words with it. It just makes me angry. But I had to talk about it this week. I mean, you could not. It was the biggest story in town. And that's all I'm going to say on it. I don't want to spend the whole show on it just because it just makes me angry. But, I mean, my thoughts are with Kyle Beach during this whole situation. Read the report. Watch the interview he did. That's all I'm going to say on it. But I had to address it. Figured I'd just do it at the top of the show. It's despicable. And I'm angry with it. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I can tell you I'm not alone in that. A lot of Blackhawks fans angry. The on-ice play hasn't been good to begin with. I think they're still without a win. They've only led like twice. But adding this in too, it's been a rough week for Blackhawks fans. And I'm going to leave it at that. We've got football to talk about today too. Bears and Niners coming up at noon. 49ers, four-point favorites on the spread. So the Bears are four-point underdogs if you're into betting. Matt Nagy is out today for this game. He tested positive for COVID-19 last week, and he is not going to coach today. Chris Tabor will be on the sidelines. A special teams coach will be on the sidelines for the Bears today. You know, last week, the Bears played the Buccaneers. And on this show, I think I still have my prediction in my notes here because I use a legal pad. What did I predict last week? I predicted Buccaneers 28, Bears 17. Um, it was not 28 to 17. The Bears got flat out embarrassed last week, is what happened in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady did Tom Brady things. The Bears had no answer. The offensive line was atrocious. Justin Fields had maybe two seconds to throw the ball. He threw three picks. It wasn't on him. The Bears were literally getting made fun of by Jim Nance and Tony Romo. It's It, it was an embarrassment. It's the best way to put it. 38-3 was the final score. They didn't even get a touchdown. They, they had a field goal. But then the next day, obviously, Matt Nagy tests positive for COVID. So thoughts are obviously with him. Hope he gets better. I believe he is vaccinated, which is good. But that was just brutal last week. But Matt Nagy won't be on the sidelines today. Chris Tabor will be. Khalil Mack is out today as well. He's dealing with that nagging foot injury. He's not on injured reserve. They had to put him on injured reserve by yesterday at 3 o'clock. They did not. But here's the thing. The Bears have a bye week coming up after next week. So they got 49ers this week, Steelers next week. I think that's a Sunday night game. Or a Monday night game. I can tell you in a second. It is a Monday night game next week for the Bears. And then they have a bye week. 
here's the thing with IR. If the Bears would have put Khalil Mack on IR yesterday, he would miss essentially four weeks because it's three games. It doesn't go week to week. It goes game to game. So the Bears might be holding off on putting Khalil Mack on IR. I doubt we see him next week against Pittsburgh. We'll see. But definitely something to keep an eye on. But in good news, though, Larry Borum is back. One of the Bears' draft picks this year has been out, I want to say, with a high ankle sprain. Uh, Ryan Pace said today on uh, News Radio 780 that he's expecting Larry Borum to play. And I don't know if he'll be a left tackle. I don't, I don't know where he's going to play, but he's going to be on the line, which is going to be a good boost. And the offensive line cannot play worse than last week. I mean, that, that, is it safe to say that last week's game was worse than the Cleveland game? I don't know if I'm ready to say that because the Cleveland game was bad. It was just sack after sack. But at least Fields could throw the ball. But the problem was at least one of those interceptions, maybe two, went off receiver's hands. And I know one of them, okay, there was one play that Fields was getting ripped on on Twitter. And I want to talk about it. So there's a play, what was that, first, second quarter. He's in the pocket. He's got pressure coming. He gets out. He stays on his feet, somehow does not go down. He's throwing to Allen Robinson, and it ends up getting intercepted. I mean, it was right in the defender's hands. And everybody was asking about the decision-making. Oh, what's he doing throwing that pass? If Allen Robinson stays on his feet, it's a first down. Robinson slipped. It would have been a highlight real play because of the way he escaped that pressure in the pocket, rolled out, and was trying to make a play, but his receiver slipped. That's what happened. And I know there are people comparing Fields to Trubisky. I, I shouldn't listen to sports radio callers, but I'm listening to sports radio callers. When I hear Fields and Trubisky in the same sentence, huge difference. And I'm talking huge difference between the two. Justin Fields played at the highest level in college. Literally the highest level in college. Mitch Trubisky started one year at North Carolina and wasn't that impressive. So is he due for a breakout game, Justin Fields? He says he is. I wish I could have pulled the sound, but I'm having some issues with playing sound on the air. But he says he's expecting a breakout game. Could it be today against San Francisco? Could be. I see no reason why it can't be. It's a game at home coming off a embarrassing loss last week. And credit to Justin Bears got dismantled last week in Tampa Bay. Could have easily taken his time going to the press conference. And I know this is a little thing. It's kind of like a, it's a journalism thing. But I gained a whole new amount of respect for Justin Fields last week because he could have easily gone to the locker room, taken his time, changed, showered, and then gone to the media. This man went to the press conference, to the podium, in full pads, full uniform, he went straight to the podium. That's the difference between Fields and Trubisky. Fields knows he's got to play better. He knows he has to hear it from the media. And he's ready to go out there and answer for it because he likes to win. He doesn't like losing. He's made that clear. You could tell the look on his face. He was not happy with how that game went. And could you blame him? And didn't Matt Nagy try to put a positive spin on it or something? Didn't he say something about how close the team's getting and how he's proud of over the last 24, 48 hours? It was, it was word vomit was what it was. I didn't know what it was. 
But it was there was nothing positive last week, and you got that from listening to Justin Fields. I mean, you saw him in full. You know, he didn't take his pads off. He was still in full pads in the press conference. So he's got a good opportunity today. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He wants to win. He's tired of losing. I'm tired of seeing him lose like that. I mean, that's two games now where the Bears have gotten ran out of the building. The other one, obviously, was that Cleveland debacle. So he's got an opportunity today. And Allen Robinson said something this week. I'm noticing a trend here. I'm noticing players are talking about things that Matt Nagy's doing wrong. Now, they're not coming out and saying, oh, coach is doing this wrong. No, if you listen to what they're saying about it, Allen Robinson this week was asked about the chemistry with Justin Fields. And again, I really wish I could have pulled this full sound, but I couldn't. Allen Robinson talked about how there was no reps with Justin Fields in training camp. It was all Andy Dalton. Because remember, it was supposed to be Andy Dalton's offense. Remember that little debacle? Yeah. It was supposed to be Andy Dalton's offense, so Andy got the reps with the first team. So when it came time for Justin Fields to come in and take over for the injured Andy Dalton, because apparently he just had to take over for Andy Dalton because he got Wally pipped, there was no chemistry. If you notice, Fields and Mooney have good chemistry. Fields and Robinson, not so much. And Justin Fields, it's not a stretch to say that Justin Fields is the best quarterback that Allen Robinson's ever played with. This guy put up good numbers with Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles. That's just naming a couple. Now he's got Justin Fields. He's not putting up the numbers he did because there's no chemistry there. Whose feet does that fall on? Matt Nagy. I feel like I'm talking about this every week, and it's because I kind of am that Matt Nagy's screwing this up, and I'm just tired of it, and I have to talk about it. I also have to fill an hour's worth of time, so yeah, I'm going to repeat myself, but I feel like I talk about this every week, how Matt Nagy is screwing up the development of Justin Fields. And I mean, it's not, and this is going to taste like vinegar to say, but hear me out. It's not entirely on Matt Nagy. He's got no offensive line. I mean, you saw that last week. I I lost count of how many times Jason Peters just looked back and the guy went past him. I thought Jason Peters was supposed to be a future Hall of Famer, by the way. Not a good showing for him last week. And I know they're beat up. I know they had, oh, who went on the COVID list? Elijah Wilkinson went on the COVID list last week right before the game. I understand that. Like, I, I get I get they're beat up. But that falls on the GM for not having the depth there. So it's not entirely on Matt Nagy. And I know Bears fans are going to be like, oh, it's, everything's Nagy's fault. Every, I mean, trust me, I want him gone. But his GM hasn't given him the tools to work with, especially with the offensive line. Now, I thought the play calling has been way better since Bill Lazor took over. Not like it could have gotten any worse, after all. Good to see Khalil Herbert doing work. Now, Damian Williams is back, too, but it looks like Khalil Herbert is RB1 until David Montgomery comes back. But knowing Matt Nagy, Khalil Herbert's going to stay RB1, but we're not going there right now. I don't want to think about that. My point is, with all of this, 
the struggles with the offensive line, the screwing up the development. You know what the Bears just have to do at this point? Let Justin be Justin. I mean, just let Justin Fields do Justin Fields things. Let him go out there and roll out of the pocket and make plays. Let him run the run the play action. He loves running the play action pass. There was a stat this week that blew my mind about Justin Fields and the play action. And you have to run that play fake. And I'm trying to find it right now. But there's a stat that and Justin Fields even said this week he wants to score touchdowns. So he was asked about, do you want to run more RPOs and play action? He's like, I just want to score touchdowns, which, hey, great answer. I mean, I love the answer. I can't find it. But either way, run the play action. Let Justin be Justin. Quit handcuffing him. Here it is. Justin Fields this year, 21 for 32, 244 yards and a touchdown on play action this year. Completing 65.6% of his passes for 7.6 yards per attempt, no interceptions, and a 99.0 passer rating. When not running play action, Fields completed only 54.5% of his passes for 5.8 yards per attempt with one touchdown, six interceptions, and a 49.7 passer rating. That says enough. Run the play action. Let Justin be Justin. Let the kid play. Now, I I said that before because I literally wanted him to play. But now, when I say let the kid play, let him do what he's good at. Let him do what he was good at at Ohio State. That's why Ohio State made the national championship. Let Justin be Justin. That's going to be my mantra. (laughs) We talk about AFC championship game participant Blake Bortles. Yes, Yes, I'm talking about that Blake Bortles. That's from Jonah, Bishop Emeritus of Blurs. Yes, I'm talking about that Blake Bortles. I also got a, I also got a comment here. Someone texted me. A resident Chiefs fan, Josh from Dwight. What's worse, Kansas City's defensive line or Bears' offensive line? And he says, yes, I'm listening to an awesome talk show too. Well, I don't know what talk show you're listening to if it's awesome, Josh. But I think the answer to that question is yes. Kansas City's defensive line, uh, Wow. The Chiefs' defense is just not good. The Chiefs are struggling this year. I'm looking, literally just came up on my TV. 17 turnovers. Wow. Not good. Patrick Mahomes does not look like Patrick Mahomes. I actually got a text last week in my fantasy football group chat that I never thought I'd get. It said, and I quote, Patrick Mahomes is on the market. Who wants him? Now, I've got Lamar Jackson. I'm sitting pretty. Actually, I had to, Lamar Jackson's on a bye week this week. I've got Joe Burrow now. But I never thought I'd hear Patrick Mahomes is on the market. So if I had to pick between Kansas City's defensive line and the Bears' offensive line, I'm going to choose the window to jump out of. You know, from the first floor, obviously. But there's got to be a back door somewhere to that, to that question. But back to my point. The Bears' offensive line is terrible. We know that. You've got to make up for it by rolling, by rolling out of the pocket. Move the pocket. That's going to be the best thing to do and run the play action. If they can do that, 
you're going to be in good shape. I'll have a prediction coming up for Bears 49ers at the end of the show, as always. And also, I meant to tease this at the beginning. Also, at the end of the show, I'm going to tell you about a little something I'm working on and how it'll impact things here. Not, It won't impact things here drastically, but I, I got something new that I'm going to share with you, and I shared it on Twitter this week as well. And I'll talk about that in the last five minutes after I make my prediction. So stay tuned for that. I meant to tease that earlier. I'm just going to talk a little more about my special announcement that I had last week, later in the show. How about them Chicago Bulls? we got to talk Bulls because I'm all aboard the Shy Slamma Jamma train. That's what Stacey King's calling them. My t-shirt's going to be here next week, I think. Shy Slamma Jamma is a thing. The Bulls are fun again. We absolutely need to talk about the one and only Chicago Bulls because last night they beat the Utah Jazz, a very good Utah Jazz team, 107-99. to And they did that despite... It was a rough shooting night, let me tell you. Uh, the Bulls shot 42.9% from the field, and the Jazz shot 38%. You know, Nikola Vucevic is struggling shooting-wise, but that's okay because you've got DeMar DeRozan, who dropped 32 points last night, and Zach Levine, who dropped 26 last night. Zach went 26-5-5. and five. DeMar went 32-6-3, by the way. And despite Vuce's struggle shooting, he's still pulling down 12 boards. That's what he did last night. He's averaging about 11.5 boards a game. It was a good performance from the Bulls. And, you know, I wasn't sure how they were going to play considering Patrick Williams is out. He dislocated his wrist against the Knicks, which that Knicks game, oh, man, they were so close to winning. And I know people were criticizing DeMar DeRozan for taking that final shot. If you watch the replay, he had the shot. That's his shot, that mid-range jumper. He slipped. He airballed because he slipped. I know people are talking about, oh, it should have been Zach's shot at Zach's team. No. He slipped. That's why he missed that shot. DeMar DeRozan makes that shot 99 out of 100 times. That was the one time because his, he lost his footing. But I'm, I, I'm loving the DeMar DeRozan signing. It's still Zach's team. Lonzo Ball has been a great compliment. I love his defense as well. I still, I'm still waiting to pull the trigger on it. I want a headband and a number six jersey because I'm all aboard the Alex Caruso bandwagon. The Caruso, yeah, i am got front row seats to it. Bulls are 5-1, and one, but this stretch they've got, it's not easy. And it's going to get tougher, too. They've got Boston tomorrow. they got Philadelphia back-to-back. It'll be Wednesday and Saturday. Then they've got Brooklyn, Dallas, Golden State, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Nuggets, Knicks. And then things lighten up a little bit with the Pacers, the Rockets, the Magic. And it kind of kind of a mixed bag from there. But they're not all cupcake games like, you know, the Pelicans twice and the Pistons, or I'm sorry, the Pistons twice, the Pelicans once, and the Raptors. Still, Bulls are 5-1. and one. Reminder, the over-under for wins was 41 and a half. I'm liking that play. Daryl from Charlotte chimes in. Daryl Horwitz used to host the show, and he chimed in before the show, and I waited to read it. I'm reading it now. Uh, he says, I suggested on The Athletic that the Bulls look into trading for Marvin Bagley with Williams out. I think it'd be a great opportunity to see if a change of scenery helps him. He can run the court, gives him size, he can rebound and score near the basket. Could be a big-time addition for a small price. See, the thing with that, like, I, I'd be fine with that. I like Marvin Bagley. And I know they've already been linked to him, too. So maybe something like that would be a good move. I, 
I think he's got a good upside. You know, this year, I mean, two points, four rebounds, and actually only played one game so far this year. That's why those numbers are like that. But in his career, 14.4 points a game, seven and a half rebounds a game. I'm trying to find some defensive stats that I can pull up too on basketball reference here. I'm telling you, every week I feel like I'm doing some kind of Mike Francesa impression where I'm looking up stats in the middle of the show. But I'm trying to find some defensive stats to back this up too. But either way, yeah, I do. I like Marvin Bagley. I'd be fine with that. Especially with Patrick Williams out. And then from there, once Patrick Williams comes back, and I don't know Bagley's contract situation either. This is the first time I'm thinking about this. I don't know his contract situation or anything. But once Patrick Williams comes back, maybe Marvin Bagley could be a good mentor to help with his development. I don't know. But I'd be, I'd be fine with that. He needs something. I mean, I, I like Javante Green in the starting lineup, but I don't love it. I'm also just on the Alizé Johnson train. Just, again, that goes back to I watched him in college. I saw what he did to the Missouri Valley. Now, the Missouri Valley is drastically different from the NBA. I know that's such a hot take that the Missouri Valley is drastically different from the NBA. But I'm all aboard the Alizé Johnson train. He did not play last night. That was a DNP coach's decision. Uh, Daryl says he's a restricted free agent in 2022. So it'd, it'd be a rental, basically, is what I'm gathering, right? Because 21, 22, uh, da, 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 let's look here. Doesn't say his contract info on basketball reference, but I'm going to guess it'd be just he's a restricted free agent after this year. Is that what that means? Get back to me on that, Daryl, just while, while you're thinking about it. Because um, I can't, it's not showing up on my basketball reference here. But, no, I'd... Marvin Bagley, maybe a change of scenery would be good for him, and the Bulls could use him. They've been linked to him already. I mean, I just found that on a on a Google search, even. That the Bulls are linked to him. Now, the question is, who are you giving up? Do you want to give up Kobe White? If it's me, if it's me, I'm not sure I'm giving up Kobe White yet. But it depends on a few things. Is Marvin Bagley going to be the solution? Is he is he going to be the solution? If you're giving up Kobe White, is Marvin Bagley reasonably going to be the solution with Patrick Williams out? Because Kobe can be a really good bench player. I've heard that from a lot of different people that Kobe White is a big part of this rotation. Now, he's hurt, obviously. He's coming back from that shoulder injury. I don't know what the timeline is on that, but getting him back is going to be huge because he can score. At that point, he's going to come off the bench, and he's going to be your catch-and-shoot guy because you've got Lonzo who can run the point with the first unit, and then you've got Caruso who can run the point with the second unit. So you don't need Kobe White to be the point guard that you want him to be, or that you wanted him to be, I should say, coming off the bench. You could have him be the catch-and-shoot guard that he's really good at. So that's, I would guess that's where the price would start. Because, I mean, looking at the looking at the Bulls bench now, Daryl, I know we've had conversations about the depth on the Bulls bench. Maybe Javante Green could be in a trade chip. You know, he's had, he had a good preseason. He's looked good in the rotation. I mean, last night, five points, two rebounds in 22 minutes as a starter. You're not giving up Iota Sumo, obviously. Maybe Derek Jones Jr. 
could be in a package. I don't know. I don't know who you'd give up for Marvin Bra- for Marvin Bagley. Uh, you wouldn't have to give up White. He's barely playing. Are, are you sure about that, Daryl? I don't know. I mean, they don't have the depth. Now, I'm not saying they're the... I'm not trying to say I want the Bulls to be the over-30 league that is the LA Lakers, where they've got all these names from NBA past. But I I don't know. Then again, I didn't think they'd be able to pull off a trade for Nikola Vucevic with guys like Wendell Carter and Tomas Sadoransky, or Tomas Sadoransky was in the Lonzo trade. But Wendell Carter, Daniel Gafford, those guys. Luke Cornett got traded last year, people. Maybe AK can pull a rabbit out of his hat. And maybe he can tell one of these GMs, hey, Javante Green would be a really good fit on your team, and he's done well for us, and he's got a high outside, he's playing well. Maybe you can get something out of him too, and we'll take Marvin Bagley. Maybe that could be an option. I'd be fine with that. Look, Javante Green's a solid player. But starting in the NBA, it's a reach for me. I know they're going with the smaller lineup and they can push the pace. I get that. I understand all that. And if it's me, I'd start, I would keep Kobe White out of it if I can. Unless I'm absolutely certain that Marvin Bagley can be the solution as a replacement for Patrick Williams. Because what you're missing with Patrick Williams, you're not missing offensive production. It's not big, huge numbers. I understand that. I know that's been one of the biggest knocks against him because we watched what Scotty Barnes did to the Bulls this week. I get that. That's part of his development. What you miss most about Patrick Williams is his defense. We know Nikola Vucevic is a liability on defense. So having Patrick Williams in there, what what he did against New York before he hurt his wrist was impressive. A couple big block shots. He's down there mixing it up down low. He's a great defender. We knew that coming in. He was a great defender at Florida State when he was sixth man of the year for Leonard Hamilton. He's still a great defender in the NBA. That's the strength of his game. That's what you're going to miss the most with Patrick Williams out for the year with that dislocated wrist. I've got more to say on this in just a little bit, but first, I have to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, Chicago. I'm broadcasting to you from beautiful Dwight, Illinois, home sweet home. As I said before, I cannot take calls. However, if you want to chime in on the conversation, slide into my Twitter DMs or shoot me a tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I'll read them all, I promise, or at least I'll try to read them all on the show. Daryl chimes in, continuing with this discussion about replacing Marvin Bag or replacing Patrick Williams with Marvin Bagley. He said, I'm positive he's got a pay kicker for minutes played and games started. Yeah, I'm not doubting you about the contract situation, believe me. Like you you know more about it than than I do. Uh, Bagley isn't great defensively, but much better offensively, still needs a three point shot. I mean, Marvin Bagley's still a good defender, though. Like, he's not lights out. He's, I mean, I still take Patrick Williams when we're talking about defense. But he'd still help. He can play the four and the five, it looks like, based on his basketball reference page. That's good to see. That can help with a small ball lineup. My que- my question is, and I know we I've kind of beaten the dead horse here. My question is, who are you giving up for him? I'm not ready to trade Kobe White. I think he's got a good role on this team with the way 
the first and second units are made up, I think Kobe White has a really good role on this team. Now, let's see. Have they listed a timeline for Kobe White's return yet? I have not seen one. And I know there was hope that he could maybe start jumping back in when the season began. So here's a little bit of context. I've been kind of talking in generalizations here. He he tore his labrum in his left shoulder. And the surgery was in June, or at least it was announced in June, and he's going to be reevaluated mid-October. I have not heard anything about a reevaluation. So yes, I know Kobe. I know Kobe White is hurt, but he's still going to be a big role player on this team. Do you start Kobe White when he comes back instead of Javante Green? I don't know. Maybe. But the, I mean, you could maybe move DeRozan to the four and Zach to the three. I guess that could be an option. Or you can just keep starting Javante Green because he's got that he's got the energy and let Kobe come off the bench. Now, I know we can say a lot about Jim Boylan, and I've said plenty. Bringing Kobe White off the bench wasn't a bad move. Speaking of Jim Boylan, by the way, can we take a second to appreciate this? I had NBA TV on the other night at work, and I look up, and this is after Bulls-Knicks, I look up, and I see Jim Boylan on my TV. I'm just like, wait, whoa, wait a minute. He's apparently doing analyst work for NBA TV. And then I listened to him talk about the Bulls game. He didn't say much when they were breaking down the Bulls game. But get used to seeing Jim Boylan on your TV again, I guess. That's great. That's a welcome sight for Bulls fans to see. I about fell over when I saw that. Uh, Daryl again, he gives you size. Talk about Marvin Bagley. And he's a really good rebounder, especially on the offensive end. Second round pick and a bench player for Bagley, but I don't know what Sacramento wants. They don't want Bagley, though. I could see a second round pick and a bench player, but which bench player are you going to give up? Derek Jones Jr. maybe could be an option. Maybe maybe Javante Green. If it's me, maybe Javante Javante Green might even be too steep. If you can you Derek Jones Jr. in a second round pick, that'd be fine. I don't know. There's a lot of hypotheticals, and this is the first time I'm thinking about it. So I'm gonna think about it. I got a podcast dropping Wednesday. I'm gonna think about it through then. I might address it then. So stay tuned for that. I'm gonna do some research on this because that sounds like a good fit to me on the surface. I want to keep talking bulls, but we do have more to get to. Briefly, before I dive into college football, Tony LaRusso is coming back next year for the White Sox. He told the Chicago Tribune he's coming back. He's excited to come back. And the sense we got from the players this year after the after the White Sox lost to the Astros was they liked Tony. They seemed to get along with him. And, you know, there was all those questions about how he'd relate to a young team. It sounds like those questions have been answered. At least it seems like it to me. Tony LaRusso is coming back. I know White Sox fans don't all love him. I've not heard anything else on the coaching staff front. But it sounds like the manager is still set and it's going to be the Hall of Famer baseball person. 77 years old, Tony LaRusso is going back to the dugout next year. 
I said it before. He's still a great baseball mind. I know he had his hiccups this year. It was the first time managing in 10 years. He didn't manage the bullpen well in the ALDS. I can understand that. I, I'm not going to sit here and be a Tony LaRusa truther. Like, you know, those people who defended Mitch Trubisky, myself being one of them for the longest time. I'm not going to sit out here and tell you everything he did was good or make excuses as to why he, did, he made the decisions he made when they were wrong. No, he screwed up in the ALDS. He's still a great baseball mind. And I think having him on the bench with his experience is going to help down the road. And one of the more surprising moves, Bob Melvin literally left the A's to manage the Padres. Someone told me that the other night, and that was another one. I just stopped. Like, Bob Melvin? He's managing the A's. Yeah, the A's gave him permission, or gave the Mariners permission to interview Melvin. They gave him permission to accept the job. So they just not want him as their manager anymore? Is that what that was? That's a weird situation, man. But yeah, Tony's coming back, and I know Sox fans don't necessarily love that. But yeah, that's happening. Well, we got some news in here. Uh, Matt, Matt Nagy talked? That's weird. Okay. Uh, Matt Nagy says Larry Borum is starting at right tackle. That's for Mark Grody at 670 The Score and News Radio 780 WBBM. Yeah, Larry Borum starting at right tackle today. Maybe that's going to be some needed help at right tackle. So that's kind of somewhat breaking news. I think the breaking news to me is that Matt Nagy talked. You know, this week he was asked where he's going to be watching the game from. Or where he, I don't know if he's not going to be coaching, obviously, but where he's going to be watching the game. He wouldn't give the location. Like, really? Of all the things you're going to keep quiet, it's where you're watching the game? Okay. This guy. Like I, I see, I don't want to compare him to Mark Trestman, but I'm going to compare him to Mark Trestman. I'm going to compare him to John Fox. I see a lot of Trestman qualities. I see a lot of Fox qualities. No, John Fox used to do the same thing about being a secretive, and that's what got him an extension. So I, I don't get the secret with where he's watching the game, but apparently he, he, Matt Nagy has spoken from his bunker wherever he's watching this game today and says Larry Borum is starting at right tackle. So the offensive line is getting some reprieve, which is good. Hopefully they play better than they did last week. Not that they could play any worse, but hopefully they play better than they did last week. All right, college football. It was an awesome week of college football, especially in the Big Ten, because yesterday was my last day of Saturday tradition, so I was watching Big Ten football, and my eyes were glued to that Michigan-Michigan State game. How about the Spartans? Tuck coming, baby. Michigan State went on to win 37-33 to it, by far. Best college football game of the year. And I love that Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt were on the call because all the energy that Gus Johnson brings to the booth, it was perfect for that game. Kenneth Walker III literally ran circles around Michigan. 197 yards and five touchdowns. First time anyone's ever run for five touchdowns against Michigan. Give the man the trophy. Seriously, how can you deny that guy the Heisman Trophy? He's having a great year. He's the Big Ten's leading rusher. He's one of the top rushers, if not the top rusher in the nation. After transferring from Wake Forest this year, he's fit into Mel Tucker's offense like a glove. Give the man the trophy. 
What a performance yesterday on a huge stage. Everybody who was anybody was at that Michigan-Michigan State game yesterday. I'm talking college game day. I'm talking Fox Big Noon kickoff. It was on the big stage in college football yesterday, and Kenneth Walker III rose to the occasion. Just give him the trophy. If he doesn't get an invitation to New York, we've got problems. But even on the Michigan side, Kate McNamara looked good outside of the interception to end it, which was a great, great catch from Charles Brantley. I, I didn't get to watch SportsCenter last night. Was that the top play? It should have been the top play, in my opinion. That was a great catch to pick off Kate McNamara to seal the win. I thought Kate McNamara looked solid, too. But what is Jim Harbaugh doing putting J.J. McCarthy in there? That's a true freshman. Now, I understand he was a five-star recruit and you really like him. Like, I, I get that. But what's the obsession of running this two-quarterback system like that? Because that cost you. That fumble set up Kenneth Walker III's fifth touchdown. And it proved to be the game winner. It was 33-30. to Michigan had the ball. McCarthy was in. The snap. He tried to hand it off to, I think it was it was either Blake Corm or Hassan Haskins. Obviously one of those two. They were the only two that ran the ball yesterday. He tried to hand it off, and there was a miscommunication, whether it was a fake or if it was a run play, and it ended up being a fumble. Michigan State fell on it. It set up the Kenneth Walker touchdown to win the game. So what is Jim Harbaugh doing with J.J. McCarthy in there? Let Kate McNamara play. He's your guy. Run with your guy. Now, he took out any hope of a redshirt for McCarthy this year because he's played him so much. What are you doing? He, can, he does not do well in rivalry games. I had the stat yesterday about how Jim Harbaugh has done against rivals, and I'm talking against Michigan State, and I'm talking Ohio State. After yesterday's game, Jim Harbaugh against the top 10 is 2 and 13. Against everyone else, he's 54 and 10. Against Ohio State and Michigan State, it's a combined 3 and 9 record. Now, Ohio State's lying ahead for the Wolverines at the end of the season. That's going that record's going to go to 3 and 10. Just say it. Against the rest of the Big 10, Jim Harbaugh is 35 and 8. That is ugly. So Michigan State remains undefeated. And yes, Jonah, I understand. True freshman Charles Brantley. Michigan State remains undefeated. Be very curious to see where they end up in the AP poll. There's talk of top four, but Ohio State won last night. It was close, but Ohio State won last night. So maybe top five. They're going to move up because Michigan lost. But yeah, what a performance. I, I am beyond impressed with how quickly Mel Tucker turned things around in East Lansing. I'm very, very impressed. I am all aboard the Mel Tucker train. The guy is full of energy. I love it. And you listen to him talk about Michigan State and the passion he brings. What a job he's done turning that thing around. Uh, Jonah, when will we talk about how Jim Harbaugh was made by Andrew Luck and not the other way around? I mean, okay, McNamara looks good. It's just Jim Harbaugh can't win big games. 
it's the it's it was a joke, but now it's like he can't win big games. And I know I'm talking about Bears legend Jim Harbaugh. All this talk about Jim Harbaugh potentially coaching the Bears one day. I don't want Jim Harbaugh coaching the Bears one day. Because he can't win big games. And that's why the McCaskies, he wouldn't last long with the McCaskies. Because he wouldn't be able to beat Green Bay. That's one thing that the McCaskies hate the most is losing to the Packers. I honestly think if the Bears lose to the Packers again this year, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace probably, I think they're a package deal. I think they're both gone because they won't beat the Packers. That's what happened to Emery and Trustman. That's what happened to Lovey. But back on point. Kenneth Walker III should be the favorite for the Heisman, in my opinion. Now, C.J. Stroud is playing really well for Ohio State. He had another big game last night. Ohio State obviously taking on Penn State. And that was another really that was another good game. Ohio State won 33 to 24. Uh Stroud, by the way, 305 yards on 22 of 34 passing. But how about Sean Clifford? 35 of 52 for 361 and a touchdown. The other thing Ohio State has, they don't just have a great quarterback, they have a great running back. Both of them true freshmen, by the way. How about Trevion Henderson? 28 carries, 152 yards, and a touchdown, including a 68-yard run. Chris Olave was pretty quiet last night. Three receptions for 44 yards. So you've got at least two, maybe three, Heisman contenders in the Big Ten. Definitely Kenneth Walker third and C.J. Stroud. You could probably put Trevion Henderson in that conversation as well. But yeah, Ohio State, another big win. They're now 7-1. They're undefeated in Big Ten play. And I put my record predictions out. I believe that'll be filed here soon to Saturday tradition. Uh, I've got Ohio State running the table in the Big Ten. They've got a pretty friendly schedule. They're going to run the table. And how about Wisconsin, by the way? Wisconsin Badgers. Remember when we all wrote them off, including me, because their offense was bad? They beat Iowa yesterday 27-7. The Hawkeyes, yikes. Second game in a row, they've only scored seven points, and that's with a bye week in between. Not good. And the fan base is getting frustrated, understandably so. The number nine team in the country scores just seven points against Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin's a really good defense. That's what makes up for their offense. They're a really good defense. But only seven points. Oof. Remember when I was out here saying that Iowa should be in the college football playoff? Yeah, I got to take that back. That offense is atrocious. You know, they got Tyler Goodson at running back. who's good. He's a really good weapon, and I think he can make a difference. They've got to hand him the ball more. But Spencer Petras at quarterback, oof. There's talk of maybe a quarterback change. I know Kirk Ferentz shot that down, but oof. Just use Tyler Goodson. Let him run all over the field. He can make a difference. All you've got to do is get him the ball. And see what happens. It's the same thing with Kenneth Walker. Give him the ball and see what happens. It was a wild day in the Big Ten for ranked teams yesterday. So number nine went down. Number six went down. Number 20 went down. What a day in the world of college football. Yeah, Jonah, I can't believe Iowa was terrible the whole time. I'm with you. I was out here saying Iowa's a college football playoff team. That They can't. The problem is the defense is beat up. 
They're down Riley Moss. And they, they lost their other cornerback, whose name is escaping me right now. They're down in their secondary. That's why the defense isn't making up for the offense, because they're down. Now you're seeing what happens when the offense is struggling. You need to have at least somewhat of a solid offense to be prepared for this to happen. A Bears fan, trust me, I'm used to this. Defense gets beat up, and the offense doesn't perform. Another note here from the Bears. It's from Adam Hogue at NBC Sports Chicago. Matt Nagy is not permitted to have any communication with the team, coaches, sideline during the game, according to NFL rules. So it is Chris Tabor's show today. Does that mean the Bears are going to win? Does that mean we're going to see any changes? Is he going to do anything that Matt Nagy can't say anything about during the game? I don't know about that. I'm not ready to go out and put on my tinfoil hat yet. But still, no Matt Nagy at all today. Even though apparently he's talking from his bunker because he said Larry Borum starting at right tackle. It is a big boost, though, that Robert Quinn is back from the COVID list and Akeem Hicks is back from his groin injury. Now, I was worried that Hicks would be out long-term with that because the way, was that last week? No, he didn't play last week. It would have been the week before against Green Bay when he pulled up with that groin. I was worried it was a tear. But he practiced in full yesterday. He's good, to, he's good to go today. Robert Quinn's back from the COVID list. That's going to be huge with Khalil Mack out. So now let Robert Quinn rush the quarterback and make a difference. We have 10 minutes to go until kickoff from Soldier Field. Bears are four-point underdogs. Again, they're three and four. I'm kind of half preparing for a Justin Fields breakout game. I don't know. I, I don't know how these offenses are going to look today. Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe, is starting for San Francisco, so we're not getting Fields versus Lance, at least to start. I'm sure Trey Lance will come in the game at some point if he's healthy. He's not on the inactives list, so he is available today. So we might get Fields versus Lance. Otherwise, I'm banking on Garoppolo versus Fields. I don't know. I have no idea how these offenses are going to look. I imagine the run game still going to be strong as it is under Bill Lazor. And here's the other thing the Bears have to do. And this seems simple. This seems oversimple. But you need to do more than one good drive. If we've learned nothing from the last few weeks, the Bears can script a really good opening drive. After that, it's not so good. They need to have more than one good drive. I mean, that's it seems like I'm out here saying, oh, yeah, you just got to add two and two to get four. No, it. you've got to, I understand that the first drive is scripted plays. That's football 101. But as the game goes on, you've got to make the adjustments and make sure you can score on all these drives. Justin Fields says he wants to score more touchdowns. Give him the ball, let him score more touchdowns. It's all you got to do. Just let Justin be Justin. I'm going to keep preaching that. You're going to get tired of hearing me say that. Let Justin be Justin. 
I am very curious to see how Chris Tabor runs the show today. We are not going to see Matt Nagy in his little visor on the sideline today. Bill Lazor's calling the plays. Chris Tabor's running the show. He's the head coach, and he's essentially, I guess, interim head coach. Is that technically the title of it? Interim head coach or fill-in head coach? I don't, I don't know what the proper term is in this COVID world. But either way, Chris Tabor's the head coach today. Matt Nagy will be back next week. It's very intriguing to see that someone other than Matt Nagy will be on the sideline. All right, so I've told you the spread. I've told you about the game. told you who's back for the Bears. San Francisco has a really good run game. It's Kyle Shanahan. Of course, they've got a good run game. And they've got Debo Samuel, who can make plays in the passing game as well. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not lights out at quarterback. I know San Francisco fans aren't necessarily happy with him. What's going to happen in this game today? I'm predicting not a lot of offense, I can tell you that. I'm taking San Francisco 17, Bears 14. But I will amend this. I'm going to hedge here. I could see if Justin Fields breaks out, the Bears pulling out a win. He's got the opportunity here. Matt Nagy is not on that sideline. That's why I'm saying San Francisco, because I don't don't know what kind of show Chris Tabor is going to run. But my gut says San Francisco is going to win right now. But don't be surprised if Justin Fields breaks out and leads the Bears to victory. If the Bears win, it's going to be 21-17. I've still got San Francisco scoring 17 points. But I think Justin Fields could be the difference and make up that extra touchdown. So I'm hedging here. But when all said and done, when I go through all my predictions at the end of the year, I'm going to say the official prediction is San Francisco 17, Bears 14. But I could easily see 21-17. to I'm hedging. I don't care. It's my show. I I can make that. I can do that. I'm my own producer. I, I can hedge my bet a little bit. You got to respect me for going with the 17 to 14 as the official one too. By the way. All right, I got five minutes left here, and I did want to talk about this. So if you follow me on Twitter, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you saw I am leaving Saturday Tradition. Yesterday was my last day. I mentioned that a little earlier. But yesterday was my last day on the news desk. My last columns dropped today. I have accepted a full-time position with On3 Sports, which is a new college football, basketball, and recruiting site that launched in August. I'm joining their national news desk. My first day is Tuesday. How does that impact things here? It doesn't. I will still be hosting this show as long as I can, as long as we're remote and I have the capability to broadcast from... My house, I'm going to continue to broadcast a show live at 11 every week, and I will still be hosting Believe in Bulls on the Believe Podcast Network every week as well. Nothing really changes outside of the fact that I'll just be working more during the week, and it'll give me more to talk about on here, because I won't be just writing about the Big Ten. I'll be writing about college football and basketball. I'm very, very excited for this opportunity, and 
I'm just glad I can keep doing this show. This is so much fun. And I know I got a couple questions about that when I announced the new job this week was whether I'd be able to continue doing this and the podcast. I can continue both. I'm planning to continue both. I'm going down. I've told you before I'm a bartender. I'm going down to one day a week at the bar. But this is going to be a lot of fun. And I hope you'll continue reading and following through this. I'm super pumped to get started. And I'm joining a really good team at a really good time at On3. I'm, I can't wait. But that's like the big news of the week from the personal side is I start a new job. But I'm going to continue hosting the show as long as I can. As I said, if everything goes back to the studio, if we're not broadcasting remotely, things are going to get complicated. But as long as there's a remote option and I can continue broadcasting from home, I'm going to keep hosting the show. I have way too much fun doing this. It's a great little escape to talk Chicago sports, whether they're good or bad. In this hour, I, did not, I didn't want to give it up, and we got it worked out to where I can continue hosting here every Sunday at 11 o'clock and talking Bears, Cubs, White Sox, Bulls, Sky, talking about that all with you on here. I can't wait. Super, super stoked for the opportunity, too. So thank you, everyone, for the support over the last year and a half. I've been vocal about the job search and whatnot and freelancing, and now I have the job, and I cannot wait to get started. I'm getting everything set up. I I start this week. It's going to be a blast. And like I said, I hope you continue reading. I mean, that means the world, even if it's just click on the story and read it quick. Like every click, every reader, when someone tells me that they read my stories, when they say they listen to the show or listen to the podcast, whether they agree or disagree, it, ma- it makes my day when I hear that. When I hear that people are listening and following, like it, it makes me very happy to hear that. And I hope you continue to support. I cannot thank you enough for everything. You know, it's been a year and a half in the waiting for an opportunity like this, but it's worth it. And like I said, I'm geared up. My, my dad makes the analogy all the time. I'm like the horse at, at the gate at the Kentucky Derby ready to go. I'm ready for that gate to open go full speed ahead. This is going to be a blast. I hope you'll continue to join me. And I am also just pumped to keep talking Chicago sports with you every Sunday right here on WLUW 88.7 FM for the Sunday Sports Shootout. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this week's show here Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really do appreciate it. Bears 49ers today coming up at noon on Fox. You heard my predictions. If the Bears lose, it's going to be 17-14. to If they win, it's going to be 21-17. to It's kind of a cop-out doing two predictions. But either way, it's my show. I'm going to make two predictions. I'm my own producer. What can I say? Thank you again, everybody. Until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, get the vaccine when you can. Hopefully next week we're talking about, you know, good Bears news. And we'll have more to discuss, I'm sure, along the way. Hopefully the Bulls keep rolling, too. They're a lot of fun. Shy Slamma Jamma is legit. Cannot wait for next Sunday. Have an awesome week, everybody. Take care.